Our text this morning is made up of three verses from the book of Proverbs, chapter 29, verse 15, chapter 22, verse 6, and chapter 23, verse 24. So we'll begin with Proverbs 29, verse 15. The rod of correction imparts wisdom, but the child left to himself disgraces his mother. And then from chapter 22, verse 6. Train a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not turn from it. And then chapter 23, verse 24. The father of a righteous man has great joy. He who has a wise son delights in him. <coughs> the sermon I'm reading this morning was prepared by Reverend J. DeGelder, Minister of Flamborough, Ontario. This is a sermon that was read actually was prepared about six years ago and it does refer to a new story that was uh, common at that time and I'm sure you'll remember that as well. Congregation of the Lord Jesus Christ. Most of you will remember the incident recently reported in the newspapers where the Children's Aid Society removed seven children from their family home. The parents were said to believe and apply literally the Old Testament principles, as you find them in Proverbs, about not sparing the rod when you discipline your children, a horrible thought in the view of many modern educators. The whole issue stirred up quite a discussion in the media, complete with editorial columns and letters to the ex editor, etc. It is striking that many journalists don't even try to distinguish carefully between what the Bible really says and what some Christians do with it. Some love to paint all Christians as fundamentalist Bible thumpers who abuse their kids, and the Bible is a book that condones this kind of behavior. Now, we won't try to judge that particular case, of course. We simply don't know enough about it, and that is not our task anyways. No, we want to focus this morning in the book of Proverbs on what the Bible really says about raising your children. See, we all know texts like, He who spares the rod hates his son, and punish a child with the rod and save his soul from death. But then right away the question arises, brothers and sisters, is there no protection against abuse by these means? Parents are also sinful. And they can get so mad, and they can get carried away. 
What does the Bible actually mean when it uses these expressions? Well, congregation, the wisdom teacher has a lot to say about that in Proverbs. We can only deal with a few of his challenging statements in this field. It is important, though, that we do not remove his sayings from the proper context. And then I'm not talking about the direct context in Proverbs. That's usually pretty loose. No, what I mean is the broader context of Scripture. It will be important to keep in mind the large framework for raising your children, known as God's covenant. Within the covenant with God, parents and children receive God's promise of love, as well as the demand to show love. This determines the task and responsibility of parents towards children. Let's listen to Solomon's wisdom when we speak about God's covenant as a framework for raising your children. We'll see first the goal, second the means, and third the fruits. God's covenant as a framework for raising your children. And first we'll see the goal. Congregation, we don't say anything new when we say that raising children is not easy. I am sure that every parent and teacher can relate to that. Some may look at their own experiences and even say that is actually, that is actually quite an understatement, not easy. Some people follow courses, watch videos, or read books about it. You apply the impact of what your own parents did when you were growing up. Sometimes you repeat what they did, and sometimes you'll try to do the opposite of what they did because you did not like their approach at all when you were young. You can also share experiences and learn from each other as parents. What would you do in this case? How would you respond when this happens? It is important to find out for yourself what you are after as parents, what your goal is, not just a goal at that particular moment when you want your children to obey, but the long-term goal. What are you aiming at in raising your children? What do you want to reach? What do you want your children to become? Mature, independent, responsible adults, right? Okay, what more? That they will turn out to be well-respected people, happy and successful, also when it comes to money? For many people, that's where it stops, but not within God's covenant. See, brothers and sisters, as the saying goes, children are the hope for the future of our world. And that only emphasizes your responsibility as parents. Children go up and affect other people, as well as developments in society. They become instruments for good and for evil. And that is in many ways their choice. Parents are not responsible for all the choices and decisions their growing up children make. However, how children have been raised, how they have learned to distinguish between good and evil, that does have a significant impact. Train a child in the way he should go, the wisdom teacher says. The child he is talking about is the young child. The word used is the same as in Exodus 2 for the baby Moses, at that time only a few months old. So whatever has to be done, it should start early. 
The Bible makes clear that as parents, you should actually start right away to impart to your little ones the routine and the pattern of the future. Lay the tracks that will lead him in the direction you want him to go. Train him, it says. It means that you make him familiar with things he needs to know. That you initiate him into a walk of life with God, showing him what it is all about. Yes, congregation, that's the kind of training we are talking about in God's covenant. Train your children in the word and the commandments of God so that they get a liking for it when they are young. That will be so beneficial. After all, without the commandments and the word of God, the youngster will not be able to keep his way pure, as it says in Psalm 119, verses 9. And you know that, and you know that's what you'll need, young people. That's the goal set by the Lord Himself for raising children in His covenant. Keep your ways pure, in the view of your future role, whatever God may have in mind for you in family, in the church, in the workforce, and in our society. See, when you are young, there are many ways you could go, many ways to choose and pick from. At least, that's what it looks like. But when it comes down to it, there are only two ways before your child. One is the way which he will, by nature, will want to go, the way of evil, the way of death, and the other is the way he should go, the good way, the way of life. That means that you must train your child with that particular goal in mind. The goal that later on in his life, when he gets older, he not only knows which way he should go, but also he indeed does go that way. Do you have a guarantee that that's what's going to happen? No, you don't. But it doesn't change your calling to lay the foundation when your children are small. After all, you do raise your children within the framework of God's covenant. And what a privilege it is when someone grows up and can continue to build his own life on the fact that from infancy he has known the Holy Scriptures. Like Timothy, according to what Paul wrote in 2 Timothy 3, verse 15, tell your little ones from the Bible every day. And this is such a blessing, for as Paul adds there, the scriptures are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. See, that focus will also help you, brothers and sisters, to adjust this training we have talked about to fit the age, the character, and the ability of your children. They are also different, right? So they will end up doing totally different things and leading different lives. And that's okay, as long as, with all their differences, they continue on the way they should go, the way of faith in Jesus Christ. As parents, we have our hopes and expectations when we were given the responsibility to raise children. We have our dreams of what it's going to be like. But don't get obsessed with wrong expectations. You cannot force them to follow a way they cannot go. 
You cannot expect them to develop talents they don't have. Sure, you can stimulate and challenge them. You should actually, but you cannot force them to go beyond boundaries of their possibilities. That's why it is so important to keep focused on what the real goal is all about. In chapter 24, verse 23 of Proverbs, the wisdom teacher speaks about a righteous man and a wise son. Those are key words in the book of Proverbs, used numerous times. The way, the way of the wise is the opposite of the way of the fool. The righteous is to be preferred over the wicked. So you want to raise righteous and wise sons and daughters, which means here, sons and daughters that serve and love the Lord. For every parent, this is a matter of ongoing care and concern, requiring much faith and wisdom. In the things you do at home, in sending them off to a Christian school and to catechism class, let it all be focused on the same goal, that your children grow up to be a righteous and wise men and women. That's why the Apostle Paul urges the fathers, in cooperation with mothers, of course, bring your children up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Teach them to get their priorities straight. Let it become clear to them what is really important in life. We have read in Deuteronomy 6 how Moses instructs the Israelites to impress the commandments of the Lord, the words referred to as the constitution of his covenant on their children, always and everywhere, so that at any time and in all circumstances, the reality of God's covenant determines their lives. Let that also today be the starting point, the, point when we raise, the, the starting point when we raise our children. Within the covenant of his love, God has entrusted his children to your care. Instruct them then in his word and in accordance with his, and in accordance with his word, acknowledging his right when he claimed them for his own. Raise your children from the basis of your own deep respect for God's holy ordinances and decrees in his word, so that your children may get to know and to walk the way he should go. And you know, this training program becomes a great promise. When he is old, he will not turn from it, it says. Train a child in the way he should go, and one day he will be an adult, perhaps a father with children of his own, and a citizen, an employee or employer, a church member ready to serve and love God. Being trained to go in one particular direction, a man will continue in that direction. Now someone may phone me tomorrow and say, Reverend, that sounds all right, but it does not work that way. My son or my daughter, or do you want to say that our training was not good enough? Realize we are reading Proverbs. And as we've seen before, the short, challenging statements in Proverbs are often black and white, with no gray areas in between. Just to bring across a point, it's indeed not an infallible, absolute rule without any exceptions. There are those who have had proper training in godliness and faith, who, in spite of all the efforts of parents, decide to turn their back on the Lord and on his word. And that hurts. 
that hurts big time. Let no one underestimate the pain in the hearts of fathers and mothers. And yet, brothers and sisters, it is typical for Proverbs to ignore these exceptions, just to stress your responsibility in raising your children. Keep focus on the goal and continue in the confidence that the God of the covenant is faithful. Sometimes you see right away that your child keeps going on the way he was taught. Sometimes you'll see it later. Sometimes it takes many years for a child to return to the way he should go. Hold on to God's promises, parents, even if you don't see it yet in the life of your child. Continue to pray even in even if your training is exhausted. The God of the covenant promises to be your God and the God of your children. Let that be the heart and soul of all that you do when you raise your children to become wise and righteous heirs of eternal life in Jesus Christ. But, How are you going to do this, congregation? How do we raise children that will turn out into wise and righteous adults? We all know that there is no recipe here with a guaranteed success. There is no such a thing as, try this, and if it doesn't work, you'll get your money back. Nevertheless, here too, God's word provides instruction and direction. As a matter of fact, many Proverbs refer to the need for discipline and to use the rod for discipline and correction. Yes, the Holy God himself, who knows the hearts of parents and children to be sinful and stubborn, allows for spanking. But let's be careful. That does not mean you can take out a suitable piece of wood and whack your child as you feel like it. Of course not. It's kind of remarkable, brothers and sisters, that many Proverbs do indicate the need for discipline, but don't speak about the extent or the manner of this discipline. A lot depends on the circumstances, as well as the age, the character, and personality of the child. In chapter 29, verse 15, the wisdom teacher te- the wisdom teaches us, the rod of correction imparts wisdom. There are actually two words, rod and correction, punishment and instruction. There is place for both when you raise children, as long as both are driven by love, and as long as both are geared to the goal to become wise and righteous. See, words without punishment are not always sufficient. On the other hand, punishment without words is most of the time without results as well. So, if you need to spank, explain why. And on top of that, don't forget that proper discipline requires, first of all, proper self-discipline. In other words, the words discipline and rod do not justify every kind of punishment, regardless of what you do. Remember that you want to impart wisdom, the text says. And to get there, proper discipline knows different stages from patiently talking and explaining, via encouraging and warning, it can come to punishment, even severe punishment, if need be. Yes, congregation, we learn that there is a lot to be taught and done 
to impart wisdom in a child's heart. No, you don't have to teach him disobedience to God. That will come automatically. By nature, your children are sinful. That's not so strange. Sinners produce sinners. Flesh gives birth to flesh, said Jesus, to explain a need to be born again in John 3, verse 6, which makes us all by nature objects of wrath, without any exception. Paul says in Ephesians 2, verse 3, so children don't just do unwise things because they lack so children don't just do unwise things because they lack life experience. It goes much deeper. God himself concludes that every inclination of God's heart is evil from childhood. Solomon puts it this way Folly is bound up in the heart of a child, but the rod of discipline will drive it far from him. And so what he is saying is that from the very beginning, this folly, which is sinfulness, is so deeply rooted in the human heart that it will never go away on its own. And therefore, to replace it by wisdom, you'll need the rod of discipline, or as it is called in the text, the rod of correction. This shows already, brothers and sisters, that this rod is not necessarily always identical with finish physical punishment. After all, you can beat a person, but you cannot beat the sin out of his heart. So let your rod of correction be the means to raise and correct your child in such a way that he himself learns to fight against sin. Discipline must lead to self-discipline, which will fight to drive out the folly of sin and to impart wisdom, the wisdom of faith and obedience. Well, congregation, your child will not be able to get there on his own. To get rid of all evil inclinations, to resist the coming temptations, your child needs you, the help of Christian adults in his life. You, parents, to pass on your own life experiences and your words about how you talk and what you do. Your example. And to do so is a fitting and helpful And to do so in a fitting and helpful manner, you must first of all live in love and respect for the Lord yourself. Make that a point for the sake of yourselves and for your children. The wisdom teacher then underlines the need to use these means for raising children in God's covenant, saying that a child left to himself disgraces his mother. So if you fail to use this rod of correction you'll get a child left to himself. Is that bad? Many modern educators will tell you that's not so bad. They believe that deep down, man is basically good. And so spontaneous and free developments in which children learn to choose by their own experiences are to be stimulated. But the biblical view of man is just the opposite. When you grow up without the means of the rod of correction, your inborn folly of sin will continue to rule your life. Nothing is going to change. And what a shame. What a disgrace that is. It says in the text that such a child disgraces his mother. Now you can be sure that such behavior will be shameful and embarrassing to both parents. But this will hit especially the mother, it says, for she is the one who often has a chance to have the most intense influence 
especially when the children are smaller. But if that does not, if, but if that doesn't happen, if for some reason you do not use your authority to train your child in the way he should go, but you leave him to himself, it is going to backfire with disastrous consequences. Isn't it terrible? Think of what it must be like for a mother who can only be ashamed of what her child is doing, a mother who is constantly coping with the fact that her child lives such an offensive and embarrassing lifestyle that is just a shame. That does not mean, mind you, that every child who does not turn to the wisdom of faith and love for God never felt the rod of correction. People can also get stuck in their folly and make wrong choices in spite of proper parental discipline, in spite of all the efforts to impart wisdom by proper means. As I said before, that is such a terribly painful way for fathers and mothers who, within all the weakness and human shortcomings, have done their utmost. It only goes to show how we should continue to use these means as means of love. The author of the letter to the Hebrews identifies discipline as the evidence of fatherly love. If you are not disciplined, then you are illegitimate children and not true sons, he says. We have all had human fathers who disciplined us, and we respected them for it. And watch then the positive result. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. And so it is worth it, congregation. It is, with, it is worth the effort to give lots of attention to the means for raising your children that will make them recognize God's fatherly love, the means by which they get to know the Lord and his covenant. These means can include also physical punishment, but as parents who know themselves to be sinners, you must be very careful and never forget being led by God's love in Jesus Christ is the main prerequisite for Christian effective and responsible discipline. Congregation, when in this way and on that basis, parents and children together grow in love for God, life in God's covenant becomes a matter of joy. That makes sense, for when you see how the concerns and all the efforts put into raising your children turn out to be effective, and bear fruit. Indeed, the wonderful fruits of joy and happiness when your children that have been raised in the covenant of God also continue to live in this covenant, is, not, is that not what we are looking forward to as parents? Is that not what you dream about? Is that not what you hope and pray for all the time when you think of your children? Yes, the wisdom teacher says in chapter 23, verse 24, the father of a righteous man has great joy. He who has a wise son delights in him. See, parents, of all, see, parents of all times and places have always been happy to see their children grow up to become mature, responsible people, people that do well and lead decent lives. Well, brothers and sisters, if that is true in general, how much more joy would there be in our hearts as God's children? When you see your children grow up in the covenant of God as men and women who fear the Lord 
and who trust in him, who know how to choose and who do choose the right way, who are able to distinguish between good and evil, and who show the willingness to fight against sin. Is it not wonderful to see when in God's covenant a new generation comes forward, which wants to maintain and continue with God, the bond with God, and eventually pass it on again to their children? This is so amazing if you come to think of it. Here is the grace and mercy of our God working in the power of the Holy Spirit. In this last proverb, we meet an old father. He and his wife have raised their children within God's covenant. And look, meet the children. Meet a righteous man who rejects and distances himself from wickedness. Meet a wise son who does not want to have anything to do with folly. Isn't it wonderful? Think of this older couple. What a great joy. What a delight in their lives. Yes, congregation, recognize the dynamics of raising your children. When wisdom is going to push aside and away and when it replaces folly, when righteousness overrules wickedness, then deep joy will grow and blossom in your family life. A joy much deeper and much more significant when you see in your children's lives an abundance of material possessions or human success. That's all nice too, mind you. But how right is the Apostle John when he says in verse 4 of his third letter, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. And you know that's what righteousness and wisdom are all about. That you walk in the truth every day, the joyful truth of the gospel. Recognize the amazing fruits of raising your children within the framework of God's covenant. Recognize how the God of the covenant fulfills his promises in the lives of your children and grandchildren. And praise the Lord for it. For when you see a righteous man, a wise son, you see God's grace and mercy. When the happy father looks back, he will be the first one to acknowledge that it has not always been easy to train his child in the way he should go. He will be the first one to acknowledge that a wise and righteous son is a gift from God's grace. For he knows, as every parent knows, that you can train and discipline and use the rod of correction, but you cannot change the heart of your children. And that's exactly what happens when your children go up and believe the gospel. Never just take for granted, brothers and sisters, that, God can, that God's grace continues, but rejoice together in his goodness of fathers and mothers and children. Amen.